Welcome to the Biz Times MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, an associate editor at Biz Times Media. I'm joined this week by our editor, Andrew Weiland. Andrew, how's it going? All right. All right. And reporter Brandon Anderegg. Uh, Brandon, how are you doing? I'm first time on the podcast. Doing pretty good. Doing good. Excellent. Uh, so we wanted to have Brandon on this week. Uh, he's got two um, great stories. Well, he's got lots of great stories, but uh, two in particular to talk about. Um, one he wrote today, Friday, uh, about uh, the $100 million venture fund, the Wisconsin fund that uh, Governor Tony Evers had proposed in his state budget. The Joint Finance Committee uh, voted to remove that from the budget proposal. Um, so Brandon had a story up on Friday about that decision and kind of what uh, some of the proponents of that fund are saying. Um, so Brandon, let's start with, with that. What, what was this fund all about? What was the goal of it? Well, the goal of the fund was to provide uh, startup companies with the capital that they need to grow their companies. And in Wisconsin and in the, in the ecosystem right now, startup ecosystem, a lot of the talk is that there are a lot of early stage companies with great ideas, but they're not able to get the funds that they need to, to scale their companies up. And so um, what's interesting about this past year is that we've seen a couple of organizations be kind of become kind of aggressive in their approach to advocating for startups. And what I mean by that is, for example, we've got the Wisconsin Startup Coalition that uh, is, is led in part by uh, Matt Cordio um, that just formed and that's full of it's a it's a group of several startups across the state and then we also have this new Wisconsin Fund Coalition that uh, is is uh, um, headed by Corey Nettles which is kind of like a spin out I think of the uh, Wisconsin Technology Council which has been pushing for and advocating for uh, startup um, support for for at least 20 years so it is kind of interesting to see that. And what we had happen was that the um, governor's budget included this $100 million venture fund, but it was left out last night in the, in the, in the joint finance committee. And so these organizations are pretty, pretty disappointed by that. Um, there's been a lot of discussion that, again, that these early stage companies need more access to capital and that without a fund of this size, um, that these companies would likely move somewhere else. So there's, there's you know, quite a bit of disappointment among these organizations. Mm-hmm. It seems like it seems like a debate is is you know coming to a head here on on this between you know you've got groups advocating for startups and the state continues to have a, a major problem in the state's economy is that our startup scene is just not very strong at all mm-hmm. relative to some of these other places, particularly the coasts. And so you've got advocates for the state to do this to help boost the startup sector of the economy, but you also have um, others who are very pro-business, but they're more free market oriented saying the, the, the public sector, the, the government, the taxpayers shouldn't have any role in supporting these businesses. So it's an interesting debate that's coming up, but I mean, this is something that other states do, right, Brandon? 
Yeah, there's there's a number of other states that that do this, including multiple in the Midwest, including Michigan, uh, Indiana, and Illinois. And I think what the problem is, what we're having happen here, or the friction point, is that some of these these organizations that are against this fund are concerned uh, with, you know, state government's ability to pick which startups to invest in, because at the end of the day, investing in a startup company is really risky. You don't know if they're going to succeed. So I, I kind of understand that. Um, but from the other, other perspective, you know, there are people like um, Tom Still at uh, Wisconsin Technology Council is, you know, pointing out that this fund, if it was created, would invest in a bunch of sub funds that are private and that would be invested by, uh, that would be managed by private fund managers who are skilled and, and, and know how to identify a company that's going to do well. So I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding in what it means to invest in a startup company. And I think, again, that's why you've seen these organizations, these advocacy organizations kind of form over the last year to try to educate not only the legis legislators, but also just, you know, voters and people in Wisconsin in general. Yeah, it gets to a point, Arthur, you've written about this where um, it's kind of the incentive thing where I think ideally we, we, we don't want the taxpayer to be involved in incentivizing businesses. But if we don't, we've got other states that are willing to do it and we're competing with them for jobs and business development. Yeah, I mean, there's a philosophical question of, you know, should the state be involved in this? Should it not? And there's a practical question of, okay, how do you write the rules? Like if you want these funds to invest in Wisconsin companies only, well, that's, you know, a limiting factor on where they, you know, how they could generate returns, things like that. I remember talking to Missy Hughes, the secretary of the Wisconsin Economic Development Corp last year about, she was kind of hinting at ideas along these lines of the, of the Wisconsin fund and talking about the state investing in startups. And I asked her, I mean, isn't that kind of a risky thing for the state, for state money to be going into those kind of companies. And she said, well, on the other hand, it's, it's a signal from the state that, you know, we're, we're backing these companies. So then hopefully they can attract more capital. I've talked to other folks who say, uh, like in the venture world, that if you invest, if you have state fund money going into your company, then maybe that's a red flag for other investors of, well, why did you have to get a state fund? You know, couldn't you, get your money from a quote real fund that isn't, you know, state back that doesn't have some kind of investment requirement on it. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to figure out the exact right formula, but, you know, like Brandon, when you were talking about, you know, we do have a lot of early stage companies. I mean, if anyone goes back and looks at our, our innovate Wisconsin issue, we highlight lots and lots of startups in the state. Um, the, the ideas seem to be there, you just need the capital to fund the growth. Um, so that's a tricky a piece for, for the companies to figure out. Yeah, to get them there, right. Um, let's switch gears, Brandon, to another story you wrote. This one will be out in our next issue, which comes out on Monday. Um, has to do a little bit with startups uh, in, the, in the biotech industry. Um, you uh, went a little outside our main coverage area, but two kind of important companies um, Shine and Northstar um, making uh, yeah medical isotopes right medical isotopes. So um, why don't you do do us a favor uh, and as easily as you can explain kind of what these companies do and what your story is all about. 
Yeah, it's kind of a complicated, what they do is pretty complicated, but essentially what you need to know is that both of these companies, uh, um, that's North Star and Beloit and Shine and Janesville, both of them have found uh, a unique way to manufacture molybdenum, which is an isotope that is used in medical imaging. That is, it is that, that isotope decays into an imaging agent that's used in, in uh, medical imaging. Um, and so the reason that's important is because you know, in the U.S., more than 40,000 medical procedures each year, or no, each day rely on this isotope that they're manufacturing. And as it stands right now, we, the United States, gets a majority of this, of its supply of, of molybdenum or this, this medical isotope that I'm talking about from, from outside the country. And so um, that's, you know, that's kind of a challenge because, again, we have so many of these procedures that rely on this, this isotope happening every single day. And in fact, we use, I, I believe, 50% of the global supply of, of this medical isotope. So um, it's pretty important that these companies are, are manufacturing it here. And it's also interesting, too, that, you know, these companies are going to be scaling the, the production of this, uh, this isotope to a point where Shine, for example, is claiming that within about five, I think five or six years, it will be able to manufacture 70% of the global uh, demand uh, for this medical isotope. So it's just so exciting. And it just seems like a huge opportunity for our state's economy to tap into this, this area that there's a huge need for these, like you said, and it's just not produced in the United States. So that you've got these two companies in Wisconsin doing this. I think they're companies that we want our readers to know about and keep an eye on. And I really appreciate about what I really appreciate about this story. And I hope readers do is that I've heard about what these companies were doing, but never quite understood it. And Brandon did a very good job of explaining it. So check out that, that report in our next issue. Definitely. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to add any more, but I, I guess I would, would say, too, that, uh, you know, the Department of Energy's uh, National Nuclear Security Administration has been working with commercial partners to kind of establish this, you know, supply chain in the United States. And I think as it stands right now, it only has contracts with, with uh, about maybe three or four companies in the United States, and two of them are in Wisconsin. So that's pretty, pretty unique. And, you know, those companies theoretically could have their operations anywhere in the United States, um, but they, they've picked Wisconsin. So, yeah, it could be a great niche for us. Definitely. Um, one last story I want to touch on. Uh, another one announced here at the end of the week. Um, Brady Corporation up on the, the kind of the north northwest side of Milwaukee um, announced 173 million dollar um, acquisition of a company in Utah. Um, Andrew, I don't know if there's anything that, was, that, that caught your eye with this one. Well, I mean, I think what we should dig into is what's interesting is that here's Brady's a, you know, pretty good sized global company that is fairly quiet in Milwaukee. You know, it's, you know, it's a public traded company, but it doesn't get the attention that a Harley or a, or a A.O. Smith, Briggs and Stratton, you know, those iconic names um, but it's a longstanding Milwaukee company, and despite being quiet, um, 
it's a, it's a well-established company in the area, but it's this, this deal takes them in a different direction, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, Brady's kind of known for, they make kind of uh, printers and um, equipment for labeling and identifying things. Um, so what they did, they acquired the Code Corporation, which um, is this Utah-based company uh, that makes barcode scanners and kind of related software. Um, and they're primarily in the healthcare space right now, but Brady executives talked about the ability to expand them into the industrial world. Um, and they also did another deal this quarter, um, Nordic ID, um, a Finnish company that does RFID scanners um, in, again, in the kind of something they can expand in the industrial space. So um, what uh, the company president and CEO, Michael Nauman, was talking about on a call with analysts was um, as things get digitized in manufacturing plants and industrial settings that you, know, you have to, when you digitize things, you kind of need to scan and track and call track and trace technology, just kind of just in the same way your, you know, your, your Amazon package gets tracked, um, talking about tracking that kind of thing throughout the supply chain of, of a product. Um, and so Har um, not Harley, Brady wants to push into this space um, and they really see it as a growth opportunity for them. So you have a company did, you know, and they did one other deal this quarter as well. Um, it was kind of more in the traditional space, but, you know, company did $245 million worth of acquisitions this quarter um, to push into new areas, new technologies, be innovative. Sometimes growth comes through internal innovation, sometimes you have to go out and buy um, that technology and acquire things like that to be able to fuel your company growth. But it's exciting to see a local company going after the future in that way. I mean, it's something, again, to talk to our, um, our Innovate Wisconsin issue, uh, we talked about, Andrew, you're, you're from the editor piece in that issue. We talked about, we need companies in the region to kind of go after um, innovation-fueled growth to you know, power this region for you know the next century. I power this region for the last century. It's what can help for the next century. So it's kind of exciting just to see that, um, even if it's kind of within kind of the supply chain in the process, and you don't necessarily see it. It's not exciting like a new live wire motorcycle from Harley Davidson, a new electric motorcycle. It's still an exciting prospect that they're they're going after something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what's good to see is that they're not staying complacent. Um, yeah, I mean, innovation. You know, you look at the greatest, most iconic companies in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. You know, be it Harley, be it Ale Smith. Um, you can go on and on. You know, innovation is what was the thing that sparked their tremendous success. And going forward, we need companies. You know, like what Milwaukee Tool has been doing using innovation to drive new growth and for our, for our future. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, what this does for Brady and, you know, what the local impact ultimately is, if this direction results in growth for them and, and, and job growth that we see here locally. Mm -hmm. They said, you know, they, I mean, they grow at or around GDP. Now their revenue growth, they think they can grow consistently in excess of GDP. So that's an exciting prospect. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see, but uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week on the weekly debrief. Andrew, Brandon, thank you for joining me. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thanks,